0: Welcome to the Renaissance Christian Church Podcast. We're a church family with the mission of seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. We're grateful that you have joined us as we study through the Bible, and we hope that it brings you encouragement and inspiration for your daily life. Here's Pastor Robert Fonseca. Uh, I'm going to address what I believe is one of the most important aspects of the Christian life, as we continue in our series. And this is one of the, I would say, this is one of the greatest and necessary habits to the life of the believer. All of you this morning, whether you're here or listening, who consider yourselves a believer, who profess to know Christ, this is a habit that should be, uh, that should be part of our, our daily life. Really, it should. Uh, and we're gonna talk a little bit about that. Um, I found that it has been an absolutely critical in my own Christian life as a believer. It has helped me grow spiritually. It has helped me gain direction in life. And it has been a main source of my hope, uh, for the past, now I'd say I profess faith in Christ at 18, so long time. <laughs> like 30, 31 years now, uh, it's been my main source of hope, my main source of encouragement, and even correction in my life. Uh, on, honestly, I, I don't know where I would be uh, in my life without it. Uh, and I'm talking about this morning, as you may already know, reading the Word of God. Better yet, studying the Bible and uh, putting it into practice, putting its instructions into practice. Yeah, really. Really? Jesus himself emphasized the absolute necessity of God's word. You may remember when he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan. And what was one of the things that he said to Satan? He said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He ascribed the importance of God's word just like food is to our natural body. How many of us would go a day without food? Probably not many, or maybe some, okay, back there, <laughs> right? And his point was, God's word is more vital to our spiritual health, our spiritual life, than just like food is important to the natural body. So I'm going to address this topic in the form of answering three questions, and they'll come up on the screen right now. So this is going to be the framework And the first question that we're going to answer is, why should we read God's Word? Why should we read God's Word? Secondly, what are the benefits of reading God's Word? And thirdly, and finally, how do we study God's Word? You know, we talk about, we're going to talk about the, why we should do it and what are the results, but I mean, how do you actually do it, right? Sometimes that's the hardest part about it. And so we'll get there, and I hope to give you a few small um, tips that will help you in your daily reading. So let's go back and start with the very first one. Why should we read God's Word? Why should we read God's Word? Again, as I said, this should be a habit of all Christians, all believers, uh, and really there could be a number of things said, and just let me say this from the outset, and I'm sure when Pastor John and Pastor Jared teach on some subjects, these are not exhaustive. We're not going to cover every aspect of this topic. Topical uh, studies are in themselves hard because there's so much to cover, and it really took me a, a really a long time to really find which verses to teach from. So Uh, All that to say is that, you know, I'm not going to cover every aspect, and and I'd be more than happy to do that after church with you if you have a specific question on God's Word. So, again, the the first one is, why should we read God's Word? And the number one answer for me is that to commune with God, to hear from God. We read God's Word, or why we should, is because we want to hear from God. I venture to say that there is nobody in this room that has actually heard the voice of God speak to them. Right? How, how do we hear from God? How do we actually hear the voice of God? And I've said this a number of times. If you want to hear God's voice or God's words, then read the Bible out loud. Because this is where God's word is contained. So we need to go to the scripture to hear from God. To commune with God. The Bible contains the message that God gave to his human authors. As a matter of fact, in 2 Peter, and I'm going to rifle out a bunch of verses in the opening, so you'll just want to put, write them down, and, and I encourage you to go back and look at them later. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 through 21 says this. The apostle Peter wrote, but, now, but know this, first of all. That no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. He's saying the prophecies that are contained in scripture, a guy just didn't start writing down what he thought should be written down. He was moved by the Holy Spirit to record the words that are recorded. And God used a variety of different men with, uh, different, uh, in different settings, different continents over different times to write and record what he thought was important for us to know. Second Timothy 3.16, a very popular verse when it comes to about hearing from God or God's word says this, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, For training in righteousness, and that word "inspired" means to be breathed out. So the author is saying all the scriptures, and in this context, just for you know, for context' sake, he's referring to the Old Testament. Timothy here, all the scriptures that were they had at that time were breathed out by God. They're breathed out. It is God's actual breath, His Holy Spirit speaking through these men who recorded what God wanted them to record. And let me say this, though. This does not just apply to the Old Testament, even though I said that Timothy specifically spoke about it, because you'll see allusions and even other authors in the New Testament calling each other's writings Scripture. So again, this doesn't just apply to the Old Testament, but this applies to the New Testament as well. And one of the greatest verses to see that in, is in Hebrews chapter 1. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, says this, God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. So the writer of Hebrews here is saying God at one time in the past spoke to our fathers through the prophets in many ways and many portions with visions and signs and actually speaking to them. But now he's speaking to us in these final days, meaning since the time that Christ came, these are considered the last days, he's speaking to us through Christ. That's how God speaks to us now through the words of Christ, which are recorded in the Gospels. So the gospels themselves are the word of God. That's where God that's where we learn about Christ and we learn about all that he did his life and ministry is not only recorded in the gospels but at times it's it's uh, written about in the other letters of the New Testament. It wasn't that somebody just went just started writing the entire Bible at one time. This was written over hundreds of years. And as I had said on a few different continents. So, we hear from God by reading the Old Testament, by reading the New Testament as well. This is where God's Word is contained. Just let me give you a few other cross-references where you can see this as well. In 2 Peter, again, uh, go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. The apostle Peter attests, that he and his fellow apostles are speaking as the prophets did. He equates his writings and his fellow apostles' writings on par with the prophecies of the Old Testament or the prophetic writers of the Old Testament. He says this, he says, This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets, and the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. See, he's equating them as both being directly from God. And so that's why I say to hear from God is why we go to the scriptures both old and new. And then later in that chapter, in verses 15 and 16, Peter writes... um, and he and he refers to Paul's writings here. He says, as also in his letters speaking of Paul, speaking in them the things which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they also do the rest of scriptures, even to their own destruction. So he's saying, Hey, there's people that are distorting the scriptures or the apostle Paul's letters just like they do the rest of Scripture. So he's calling them Scripture. The Bible itself attests to itself as being Scripture. A couple more here in book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The book itself claims to be the revelation from God being recorded for his followers. And so in Revelation, the Scripture says this, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave... See, that God gave to show his bondservants the things which must soon take place, and he set and communicated by his angel to his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all he saw. And so these are just but a few verses scattered throughout the New Testament that attest to themselves as being scripture. The New Testament writers saw themselves as the prophets of the Old Testament, writing to us the word of God. So much so that they would say, if people don't believe us, then we're not going to recognize them as believers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 37 and 38, Paul does this very thing. He says this, if anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. But if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. The Apostle Paul himself again saying, I am writing to you God's commands. And if you don't recognize that, then you're not recognized as a believer. My point for all this, again, is to show you that Scripture is the primary way God speaks to us. Thus, we neglect it to our own demise. Again, if you're a believer... You're a follower of Christ, and you say you follow God. You want to hear from God. You don't just sit out in nature waiting to hear from God. You go to the Word of God. And let me say this, you don't just listen to somebody because they say they're a pastor, a reverend, a minister. That in themselves does not mean they speak for God. And unfortunately, in the craziness of our world this week, we saw that. A so-called minister doesn't even know how to pray. I thought, I know you saw that this week where he said, Amen and a woman. Are you kidding me? A minister of God doesn't even know what the word Amen means. So that's why I say, don't believe somebody because they call themselves a minister or a reverend. And they say they speak for God. I like what Steve Lawson said. Uh, he's a, a teacher of scripture. He says this, when someone says, Thus says the Lord, it better be followed by chapter and verse. Don't let somebody go, I got a vision from the Lord, or I'm going to tell you what the Lord says. If they say that, they better have a Bible verse behind what they say. Otherwise, I would be very leery about listening to somebody who says that. Amen. Thank you. So we, you want to hear from God you go to God's word. And I promise you, the minute one of us up here stops preaching from God's word will be the last time that person preaches from up here. We've committed to that at our church. We take it very seriously that we teach the word of God and nothing else. So why should we read God's word? Well, to hear from God. A second reason why we should read God's word. Because it's from God's Word that we learn about God. He shows us who He is and how He operates. Right? We don't need to go to anybody else to tell us how God moves or operates in this Word or who God is, right? When we go to God's Word, that's where we learn about that God is love, God is patient, God is holy, God is kind, God has revealed Himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We go to the Scripture to find out who God is. We don't go to anybody else. We don't go to human opinions, um, even within books, right? Just because somebody writes a book, if if they don't use Scripture, then we shouldn't believe them when they purport to be speaking on God's behalf. So again, we go to Scripture to learn about God, learn who He is, learn how He operates, so we, again, we learn about the character of God. We go to God's word directly. That's how he reveals himself to us and who he is. And as I mentioned, we also go there to learn about how God operates in human history. We don't have to be guessing how God is going to operate in human history. He tells us. As a matter of fact, in Romans 8, 28 verse 29, this is probably, for me, one of the most comforting, comforting verses that I that I hang my hat on, that I hang my hope on, about what goes on in this world, what goes on in my own life, in my family's lives. He says this, and we know that God causes all things, all things, good and bad, okay, just mark that in your Bible, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. This verse tells us, for those of us who are believers, that God is working all things. That means all things in this world, specifically pertaining to your life, he's working them for good, no matter how bad it looks no matter how sad it looks. We can cling to this promise. God is working all things together for good. And again, this promise is only for those who are followers of God. Look at, he says, to those who are called according to his purpose. And then he tells us he's doing all this to conform us into the image of his son. So God is working everything in your life The ups and downs, the good times and the bad times to conform you into the image of His Son. That is God's purpose in our lives as believers. You might not understand how He's doing it. You might not like, you might not like how He's doing it. But you have this one promise that I am working all, not me, but God. God is working all things together for good, and he's doing it to conform you into the image of his son. So again, we read God's word to hear from God. We read God's word because He's. we want to learn about God. And when they say that, it means we want to know who God is, and we want to know how God operates. That's where we go to find that out. And again, if somebody tries to tell you that God is this or God is that, you ask them for chapter and verse. You don't tell me how God is by not showing me in Scripture. It better be in the Scripture or I am not believing you. God has chose to reveal himself in one way, and it is through the written word that we have here. Next point. Why do we... Uh, why should we read God's word? And that's to learn about ourselves. We go to God's word to learn about who we are and how we should live as His followers, right? How do we live in this world as believers? How do we uh, interact in the church? Scripture tells us. How do we interact at work with our co-workers? with the good boss, with the bad boss, Scripture tells us. How do we operate and live at home with our husbands, with our wives, with our children, with our brothers and sisters? Scripture tells us. There's, I can't, there's probably a few topics Scripture doesn't address, but it has some general principles on how you and I as believers are to live in this world. So we go to Scripture to tell us how to respond to things. This is Pastor John mentioned at the very beginning. We go to scripture to tell us, you know, to keep us grounded, to keep us focused and how to respond. We don't look to our president that is, our president to be, the Congress, the Supreme Court, none of that. Because they won't last forever. No matter what people say. And we aren't bound. To follow them, we're bound to Scripture and following God. Remember last week, we learned that we give our entire being to God. We live for Him and Him alone. Our allegiance is to God first. And so we go to Scripture to learn about ourselves. I'm reminded of uh, the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8. Before Joshua takes Israel into the, the new, I mean, the, the land that they were going to possess... God gives them instructions, basically, on how to live. And it's, it's, a, it's, almost, it's a summary, and he says this, speaking of, uh, directly about Scripture, he says, the book of the law, which is the Scripture that they had at that time, which would have been the first five books of the Old Testament, he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, But you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. And as we go through the studies over the next few weeks, we're going to learn about all those different aspects of the Christian life and how to do all according to what Scripture says. Just like Joshua's people were told in the first five books of Moses, Israel was commanded how to live when they go into a new land. And he says, if you follow these things, if you do these things, you are going to be prosperous and you will have success. So you go to God's Word to learn about yourself, to learn how you are, and to learn how to live. So I hope that gives you an idea of why we should study God's Word. Just to recap it real quickly, why do we study God's Word? To hear from God, or to commune with God, to learn about God, and to learn about ourselves. All that, I promise you, is contained in Scripture. I'm not the authority on Scripture in any sense. As a matter of fact, the more I read it and the more I teach it, the more I realize I don't know much about it. And I'm sure Pastor John would agree, not that I don't know about it, but that he doesn't either. <laughs> it's almost like anything, right? The more you study something, you're like, man, I really don't know much about this. I don't know where I was going with that, but anyways. So that's why we go to God's Word. This is just, again, it's not an exhaustive study, but I think it's enough to get us started. So With that said, let's go to the second question that I pose. What are the benefits of reading God's word? What are the benefits of reading God's word? So turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 19. Go to Psalm 19. Pastors like to hear the pages of the Bibles turn. But that's okay if you brought your phone or whatever. I guess you can use your phone. Maybe they have an app to make it sound like the pages are turning. You know, I don't like, know. I like to hold books. You know, I like to hold on to it. So, Psalm uh, 19, we're going to look at verses 7 through 11, and this is going to answer us, for us, the benefits of reading God's Word. So, let me read it, and then we'll come back and talk about it. It says this The law of the Lord is perfect. Restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much uh, fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is worn, and in keeping them there is great reward. There's a lot that can be said about this uh, section of Scripture, and if you want to hear one of the best uh, expositions of, of Psalm chapter 19, I think one of the greatest teachings I ever heard was by Pastor John MacArthur on Psalm 19. He just did a, an excellent job. Um, and we're just going to touch on a little bit on it. So let's go back to the beginning on this the benefits of reading God's Word. You see, as it's talking about God's Word, it gives these little benefits. You know, it talks about how great God's Word is, but then there's also a reward for those who spend time in God's Word. So let's go back to the very beginning in verse 7. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. It restores the soul. Those who spend time in God's Word, their, their soul is going to be restored. Charles Spurgeon said this about this verse right here. He says, in explaining restoring the soul, he says, Bringing the person back or restoring him to the place from which sin had cast him. So the picture of somebody, you know, just flailing away in their sin and they go to God's word and God's word restores them, brings them back to the Lord for time of refreshing. Or maybe even the person for the first time who really hears the word of God and God restores their soul and brings them to the Lord for the first time talking about salvation. An, another uh, writer from the past named William Walford says this, like food, it res- is talking about God's word and specifically this passage. He says, like food, it restores the faint and communicates vigor to the discontents. God's, this is why we need God's word. It restores our soul. If you are spiritual, you are a spiritual being, especially as a believer, you need spiritual food. I started off at the very beginning this morning asking you, how many of you go a day without food? Just think how weak your bodies would be if you're going without food, right? Some of us can't even go one meal without food, like, I'm starving, you know, laying on the ground like, oh, all lethargic and can't move. Some of us need to examine our spiritual life. That's how we look spiritually. We're like, you're not reading God's Word. If the extent of your reading God's Word is listening to me on Sunday or Pastor John or Pastor Jared, that's, that's like eating one meal a week. You're missing so much of God, what God has for you. God wants to restore your soul. Again, it's like food. It restores the faint. So one of the benefits of reading God's Word, according to Psalm 19, is that it restores our soul. Sure, many of you can attest to times that you've gone to God's word, and it just felt like you got refreshed or restored by his words. Another benefit of it is the second part of verse 7. It says the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The point here is that it gives us wisdom. It gives us Wisdom on how to live our lives on a daily basis. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. So it's the maturity. We mature in our faith. That's wisdom. You and I, as the more time that we spend in God's word and we understand it and we apply it, we become wise. We mature. I like what the writer of Hebrews says about maturity. In uh, Hebrews 5 verses 12 through 14, he says this, for though by, and he's, he's, he's really chastising the church. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk, is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice, this is the application of knowledge, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. I really like this example. And for those of you that have babies, will know that babies can only take milk, right? Their, their bodies aren't ready to consume a steak or potatoes right they they need to grow up still their body needs to mature the same thing with some of us as believers and you may if you've been in the christian faith for a long time you may be you may have heard somebody being referred to as a baby christian or a mature christian meaning they're new to the faith but somebody here the apostle paul says somebody that has been walking with the lord for quite some time should still not be a baby christian eating milk or drinking milk, just like an infant. They should be having steak and potatoes or chicken or fish, whatever you want. Solid food, right? You don't give a baby solid food because they're not ready for it. But if you've been a believer for quite some time, this is what the Apostle Paul said, you guys should be teachers by now. But because you don't spend time in God's word, you still need to be taught the basics. You haven't advanced, so to speak, in the oracles of God and honestly, some Christians can be that way. Maybe you think of yourself that way. You know what? I, I can, I'm only taking milk still. And if you're a new believer, that's fine. But if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, then you should be a lot more mature. You should be moving beyond the basics and learning about the Lord and growing and maturing in your faith. Right? Some of us are still drinking milk when God, you know, we should be having steak. Spiritually speaking, that's the benefit of reading God's word. It restores your soul. It gives you wisdom. Moving on to the next verse in Psalm 19. Look at verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. A benefit of reading God's word is the joy that it brings. It rejoices our hearts. Because there's a lot of good things written in Scripture, a lot of reminders, just like I read Romans 8.28, that rejoices my heart in knowing that God is control. God is doing all things for good. And then no matter what happens, I can be assured that He's doing it for His glory and He's going to conform me into the image of His Son. The Apostle Paul also writes in Romans 15.4, And a lot of these verses that I give you are strictly used because they reference God's word. So in Romans 15, 4, he says this, in speaking to the church about what has been written in the past in the scriptures, he says this, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope and it's that hope that brings us joy and rejoicing is we have hope right we know that what god is going to do because of what scripture tells us god is going to do and sometimes we need to go to scripture to be reminded of that so that we can rejoice and we can be joyful again so that's what the apostle paul is saying here so these things were written in the scriptures they're written so that we can be encouraged by them so that we can have hope and rejoice and so that's again another reason why we read the scripture cuz we need to know we need to rejoice because we see how God is moving and who God is and how he operates and that will cause our hearts to rejoice going on verse 8 he says the commandment of the lord is pure enlightening the eyes Basically, what he's saying here is that this gives us understanding, right? Your eyes are opened up and they can see there's light in them. is what he's saying. God's Word opens our eyes to see the world as it is, to see the world the way the Lord sees it. We're not blinded by all the other things in this world. It opens our eyes to see how we are to live in this world. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The picture is God's word shining a flashlight on your road before you and showing you where to go and how to go about it. A lot of people when they're even believers, they're not reading scripture and they're like, I don't know what to do in this situation and that situation because they're not reading God's word. God has guidelines and direction and instructions on how to live your life but we refuse to go to God's word and allow him to light up the path before us. God's word gives us understanding. And one more in the text this morning. God's, the benefit of reading God's word is it warns us about ungodly living. If you go down to, drop down to think verse 10, or verse 11, I'm sorry. He says, moreover, by them, meaning God's word, your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. So there's a sixth one that I'm not going to talk about, but there's great reward in keeping God's word. But the fifth one is, it warns us about ungodly living. Right? That's what he says in verse 11. By them, right? By reading them and keeping them, you're, or really by reading them, your servant is warned. God's word warns us about things in this world. But you won't know what he's warning you about if you're not opening it up and reading it. A matter of fact, the apostle Paul, or as a matter of fact, the apostle Paul in, so we're going to leave Psalm 19, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us, uh, to highlight this point, tells us that the things in the, in the scriptures were written to warn us. He, um, highlights this point that I made about Psalm uh, 119. So go to 1 Corinthians 10, and, and you could read the whole chapter on your own, but just start in verse 6. Let me get there. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, and he's talking about uh, things that happened that were recorded in the Old Testament. He says, Now these things happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they craved. So again, he's talking about an incident in the Old Testament that's recorded that they would have been aware of. He says these things happened, right? And they're examples for us to learn from so that we wouldn't crave evil and as they also craved. He says, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat, And they drink, and they stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did, and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. And then finally, he reminds them again, Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written... For our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. You know, you're like, hey, well, all those Old Testament writing, you know, those stories in the Old Testament, yeah, they're, you know, I don't, they don't really pertain to us. That's not true. He's saying they were written so that you could learn from them. They were written to instruct us. And that's why we go to God's Word to learn again. And so that's one of the benefits of reading Scripture is we're warned about what not to do, right? How many of us as parents uh, point to our children and say, look at the example of so-and-so. Don't do what they did. That's a warning to you. That's what Scripture does. Hey, look at what the Israelites did in the Promised Land, what they didn't abstain from and what they partook of. Let that be a warning to you because if you go that way, this is going to happen, And so that's one of the benefits. As you get into God's Word, you see how God operates. You see God's warnings and even God's blessings. So with that said, let's move to the final question and the the one that we're going to spend a little time on. And that is, well, how do we read God's Word, right? Robert, you told us, you know, why we go to God's Word. You told us the benefits of going to God's Word. But how do you actually do it? I mean, how many of us have had this question before? It's like, I start to read God's Word, and then you know I kind of doze off, or I fade away, or I don't really understand what it says. And now there are a lot of books out there that can help us along the way, and really even in trying to come up with this part of this morning's sermon, because there's a lot of ways to read God's Word. I, want, I was looking for a really just uh, a real simple way. To explain it, you know that we can all get. That's real easy to do, and um, thankfully, uh, the other day, Pastor Jared referred to us, elders, the elder board, a book that we're that we're going to go through, and it's called uh, "Devoted to God's Church." It's perfect for it. Says the core values of Christian fellowship, which is kind of what we're discussing over these next twelve weeks. And in one of the chapters, thankfully, it was. Are you hearing me or the Bible? And there were a couple pages uh, that the author wrote about how to study the Bible. And I, and I was reading that. I was like, you know what? That's really good. I'm going to use his word or his outline. And so that's what I'm going to do in a few moments. And so all credit goes to Sinclair Ferguson and, but, and also Jared Sevedra for reference <laughs> in the book devoted to God's church. And so we'll get there in a minute. There there are plenty of books that show you how to read that are specifically written uh, for you. to Like, hey, how do I study the Bible? Where do I start? What do I do? And I'll give you a few uh, of those right here if you're interested. Uh, One that I used early on in my Christian walk was written by Pastor Rick Warren. And I think the title has changed a couple of times, but it was 12 Methods of Bible Study. 12 Methods of Bible Study. It's still available on Amazon. I looked this morning. And that was a great book because it showed you how to do a book studies, character studies, topical studies, uh, geograph I mean, all 12 different types of Bible studies. And they even had like when I did it a long time ago, it had charts of, like that I just filled out and answered the questions as I went through the scripture. And I think the first sermon that I ever preached, uh, I did that. It was on, I don't even remember what it was on, but I remember I taught it to a convalescent home. And I was like 18, I think I was maybe, no, I think I was 20, 19 or 20. And I was like, what am I going to teach these people that have lived life, you know? And uh, that's what I did. That, wh- if they heard me or not, or who knows how bad it was. But I used that book to kind of, to help myself. Uh, another book I recommend is called Living by the Book, The Art and Science of Bible Reading. And that's by William and Howard Hendricks. Living by the Book, The Art and Science of Bible Reading. And those are, those are just two real good, simple books to get into study. And that's really probably more than enough than you need. But if you're like real technical and you're like looking for something to get real specific, I would recommend a book called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee. How to read the Bible for all it's worth. And like I said, there's a ton of them. We've gone through a few of them here in the church, as in in our leadership group, uh, and so that just hope that helps you. Again, that's we want to learn to read God's word, and those those are some some things that will help you. Now, uh, for me, what I was just going to give you so uh, like five different points here. My last point, and then there's five subpoints. So number one, how to read God's word. Number one, read prayerfully. That's what I would say. How do you read God's word? Read prayerfully. What does that mean? What do I mean by that? It's like pray before you read, pray as you read, and pray after you read. Have this dialogue, this ongoing dialogue with God who wrote the Bible through these human authors to speak to you. Like, God, show me what this means. I don't understand it. Let God be your teacher, right? Pray, Pray, prayerfully read. God's book, and, and I think at the be, I think at our anniversary, uh, we gave out a book about you know preparing to read, and I think it even talked about prayer in there, and and that would be even better than my explanation, I'm sure. But the point is, just be praying as you read, before you read, as you read, and after you read. Secondly, I would encourage you to read daily. Again, we eat daily for our natural bodies; we need to read daily. For our spiritual bodies. Does that mean, well, if I missed a day, am I a bad believer? No, it doesn't. I mean, we've all done it. So don't let it be a habit. You know if you skip something that you have a tendency to keep doing it, right? You want to develop that good habit. Read daily would be my encouragement to you guys, right? Don't you want to hear from the creator of the universe on a daily basis? It's amazing to think that we have that opportunity, Thirdly, read to learn. What, what do I mean by that, that? Don't just read to get through it. Like, oh, Pastor said I got to read every day. I got to hurry up and read this, you know, eat anything, solid meal, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'm done. No, that's a waste of time. You could read your school books or your, any other book you want like that, but God's Word, you need to read to learn. Read with the intent I want to hear from God, I want to learn something, right? So go through and, and just go through it slowly. I mean, nobody says you have to read, you know, a chapter a day in the Bible. You know, sometimes, it, uh, especially in teaching God's Word, you get stuck on a word for hours. What does this word mean? Now, I'm not going to tell you to, to do that, right? Maybe you, you might enjoy doing that, but honestly, that can get, you know, cumbersome and burdensome. But the point is read to learn. We want to we know what God says. I want to learn something. And so when you read to learn, you're going to do this. You're going to ask questions and record your findings. And I would highly encourage you guys to do this, is to get a journal to record what you learn, what you see, what you hear, something you might want to study later. Record what, I mean, how, I don't think, well, maybe some of you have a photographic memory, like I don't need to write it down. I know me, I need to write it down. Sometimes I rewrite verses because it just helps me to remember what I, what I read. Um, and so I have a, t- a ton of journals probably all over my bookshelf about things that I've recorded. And you know what the cool thing about that is? is You can go back, especially if you date them. I would encourage you to date them to remember what you were going through, or what God showed you way back then. That's just a, another way of just an encouragement, you know? So. Ask questions and record your findings. And so that's what I'm going to focus on here is this asking questions because Sinclair Ferguson in his book Devoted to God's Church uh, devised some questions to ask that I thought really encapsulated what Bible study is. And so to do that, he started with the verse, and I already read some of it. I might have read both uh, verses, 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16 through 17. Let me read that one more time. It says this. All scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching for reproof for correction for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate equipped for every good work. So Sinclair Ferguson took this verse and he made uh and he put them under four categories these few questions. And the first question was was under the the heading of the Bible As it says in that verse, the Bible is profitable for teaching. So he said the Bible is profitable for teaching us. So he devised this question to ask during your Bible study time. And for those of you that are looking for, uh, you know, hey, how do I study the Bible? I would encourage you to write this down. And if I go too quick, you know, you can see me after church. Uh, But it's a great question. Uh, And the question is this, what is the teaching or doctrine in this passage, and we'll leave it up for a minute. What is the teaching or doctrine in this passage? So when you read the Bible, and he's saying about, you know, I would encourage you to read a few verses, not just one verse, because you could easily take that out of context. I'll read a little section, and ask yourself this question, what is it teaching? Don't go to like, oh, well, this is what it means to me. That's a little more devotional style of of Bible reading, and that there's a place for that. But we want to hear from what God says. What is God telling me? What is this passage teaching us? What is the doctrine that it's teaching? You know, and again, these questions might not pertain to every section that you read, but I mean, even if you could get this one down, that, you're going to be way ahead of the game. Can you say what the passage means? What is it teaching Again, not what does it mean to you. That's devotional style, and there's a place for that. I'm not going to rip on devotionals. But again, you want to ask, what is this teaching? What's the doctrine in this passage? The next question he headlines under, the Bible is profitable for reproof or to rebuke us. And so the next question would be, what sin does this passage expose or rebuke? And again, like I said, not every passage is going to address that. But it might, and it might help you in your study. What sin does this passage expose or rebuke? That's another good question. Uh, There's a third topic, a third heading under this scripture. He says the Bible is profitable to correct us. And so this is a really good question. This is probably really more personal for you. It'll be this. In what ways does this passage show us positively how to live for Christ? Right? What, in what ways does this passage show us positively how to live for Christ? Right? Because there's passages that tell you to go out and do something for the Lord. And so that's very applicable to your, to your life. And then on the flip side of that, under the, the correction, Oh, did I, I think I skipped something. The Bible is profitable to rebuke us. I, I skipped the question under that one. That is, what sin does this passage expose or rebuke? Did I say that? Okay. I like to harp on sin, sorry. Okay, in what ways does this passage show us positively how to live for Christ? Another one is, does it tell us what or why and how to replace the old with the new? Does it tell us what and why and how to replace the old with the new? So, a lot of verses will say, don't do this, but now do this. And so it'll be like, hey, don't steal, go out and get a job. You know? So, you don't have to ask the Lord, Lord, is it okay to steal? It's pretty plain scripture. He says not to do that. Right? That's a pretty simple one. They're not going to be as simple as that. But these are questions to get you to learn, to ask questions of the text and hear what God has to say as you understand his word. And the last heading would be this. The Bible is profitable to train us in righteousness and to equip us for every good work. So the questions are this. How does this passage train and equip us? Or you personally. How does this passage train and equip us? Right There may be a passage that you're reading that is equipping you or training you to go out and do something or how to interact with somebody. Again, it just depends what book of the Bible you are reading at the time. And the And the last question he gives us is this. For what good work does it prepare us for? What good work does it prepare us for? And he, again, he got these all out of 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. And again, if I went through those too fast or they, they went too fast on the screen, please uh, see me after church and I'd be more than happy to, to give you those. And again, the the reason for this is so that you can learn, right? You want to ask questions and then record what you find. And again, you might develop, you might do it a whole different way. Again, this is just one of many, believe me. This is just one of many ways, but I thought this was a pretty uh, simple way to teach in this kind of format that we're in this morning because we usually don't do that, right, in church on Sunday mornings. We don't go through the, well, how do I study the Bible? You know, we focus more on the benefits and the why. And I think this is actually the first time I've done this in all my years of teaching on a Sunday morning. So how do we read God's Word? Read prayerfully, read daily, read to learn, Ask questions and record your findings. Now, that's all great. But so what? What if you do that and, okay, I did that, now what? Well, the, probably the most important part of all this is apply what you learn. Like, actually go out and do it. You know? When it says, husbands, love your wives, you don't have to go, I wonder what that means. Just, I'll give you a hint. Ask your wife, How you can show her that you love her, and she'll give you a probably a good list for you. Right? Now go out and do it. You know you have to love your wife, but how do I do it? Right? Apply what you've learned. The best verse for this, I think, is James 1:22 through 25. James writes this: But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. Right? Don't just read it and go, oh, that's that's good, I wrote it down. I go, okay, and then you forget about it, right? Just deceiving yourself. It's like being here on Sunday morning, you listen to the sermon, and I don't even remember what one thing he said, right? Or I don't apply, you can remember, but you don't apply it. He goes on to say, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror, for once he has looked at himself and has gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he is. Basically, saying he goes into the mirror, looks in, and then walks away and goes, I don't remember what I look like. That's what, but the one who looks intently at, at, at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, that man will be blessed in what he does. Just like it was said to Joshua, do all that the Lord commands you and you will be blessed and prosper in the land. James is saying the same thing. Be a doer of the word, right? looking intently, studying God's law, really getting in there and then doing it. The person that does that, that person will be blessed in what he does. So again, how do we study God's Word? Read it prayerfully, read it daily, read to learn, ask questions and record your findings, and apply what you learned. And I would just say this as we close. Let all of us that are believers this morning commit ourselves to the study of God's Word and to be doers of His Word, that we might glorify Him and be conformed into the image of His Son And be blessed in all we do. Let's pray. Lord God, once again, we thank you so much for this morning that you've given us. As we've prayed a number of times now, we have just an awesome privilege to worship you this morning. And we thank you even more for your word. The way you have preserved it and guarded it and delivered it to us. I pray, Lord God, that we would take every advantage while we are able to read your word, to study your word, and to hear from you and to go out and apply your word in our lives so that we might bring honor and glory to you and that we might live lives that are blessed by you. So we pray that you would help us to do this uh, not only today, but until the day that you return uh, back to take us home. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us in today's study. If you'd like to know more about us or where you can attend one of our services, you can find information online at www.ren.church. That's R-E-N.church. Thanks for listening.